Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the ideas, events and policies that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and I'm Director of ECFR and today we're going to talk about the political economy of the refugee crisis in Germany. Last week I travelled to Berlin and went to the notorious La Giesel, which is the main um, refugee reception centre in Berlin, and was both inspired by what I saw as a group of incredible volunteers are greeting between 500 and 3,000 refugees a day and taking donations from the public of food, sanitary products, and uh, also giving time uh, to deal with the, the medical problems that these refugees face. But I was also rather horrified to see how much of this major crisis is landing on the shoulders of volunteers. There's very little state investment in the reception of these uh, refugees. And even the doctors who are working there started out as volunteers. And in fact, earlier in the year, some of the doctors who had worked with Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Frontières around the world, said that they had been in Gaza, in Afghanistan, in all sorts of war zones, but had never worked in such terrible conditions as here in the centre of Berlin, the most powerful country in Europe, one of the richest countries in the world. So I was dealing with this paradox. On the one hand, you have a political crisis that is so serious that, that people have been speculating for, for weeks about whether this might even threaten Angela Merkel's continuation as Chancellor of Germany. And yet, on the other hand, there seems to be so little money being put into it by local government, which is leading to a widespread sense that the crisis is unmanageable by different communities around the country. I'm joined by Sebastian Duline, our senior policy fellow uh, from Berlin, who has been working on the political economy of the, the refugee crisis and wrote an article recently for Die Zeit, which sets out both some of the, the fiscal uh, effects of the refugee crisis on Germany, but also uh, he's been thinking a lot about some of the, the questions to do with the political management of a crisis. Sebastian, can you explain what's going on? The one thing is that uh, due to our federal structure, it is in principle the municipalities who are in charge of uh, looking after the refugees. Um, they have to be registered, to be housed, to be fed and so on. And this burden falls on the municipalities. Uh, for a long time, they were also made to bear all the cost of it. This has changed a little bit. Now the federal level is giving some money to the vendor who then are supposed to pass it on to the municipalities. Unfortunately, first, they don't necessarily pass it on. And second, uh, the money they get, uh, it's not enough. And you add this to a situation where, at least in the poorer parts of Germany, the public administration is already cash-strapped through years of austerity, and um, the, the lender um, have the, the premise to run balanced budgets according to the debt break from two, the 2020 onwards. Um, at the same time, obviously, the, the federal government is not willing to, to really put a lot of money into it or to, 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 to take complete charge of it because uh, our finance minister, Mr. Schäuble, wants to have a balanced budget and is very proud that Germany is one of the few countries to run this, this black zero. And of course, if you now have a system where, I mean, Berlin is, is, a, is a prime example here. We have 
Um, I mean, we have seen growing population in Berlin, 40, 50,000 uh, new Berliners each year, yet we have an ever-decreasing number of public servants. So if you now want to have a passport or actually even register for, for change in your apartment, which legally you have to do after two weeks you have moved into a new department, uh, apartment, you, you don't get an appointment for the next three months. You can go there and try to get a waiting number, but also that usually doesn't work because they have just cut staff so much that this isn't really working anymore. So now you have this kind of public administration and then you add this kind of refugee inflow. And I mean, I think they, well, they're, they're different numbers, um, but at some days you had in Germany arriving 10,000 a day and close to 1,000 in Berlin, and um, you need to, to register that. In Berlin, there's a specific case that I think the, the state of Berlin is especially bad in administrating certain things. Uh, I don't have to remind you of, of the mess we have with our airport, which hasn't been opened yet. But this is not the only thing. I mean, we, we read a lot of problems with, with shady uh, real estate deals and our state-owned banks. So um, there's a tradition of bad public management in Berlin. Um, and, well, what you're seeing at this La, La Gesso is basically in a consequence of that or in this tradition. That being said, I mean, it is not always as bad as, as, as you have described. There are some very um, good signs or encouraging signs. A couple of weeks back, my university, um, we have a gym here at the university. Uh, the, a few busloads of refugees came at night. They arrived shortly after midnight. Um, the next morning, obviously, our university president took notice of that and or had taken notice of that. And when I left the university at 5 or 6 p.m. the same day, they had already put in a new floor. They had the bunk beds there. They had the blankets there. So it is not that, 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 that the refugees are systematically uh, freezing or anything. However, it is true what you said, that, that, that there is a large burden put on, 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 on uh, volunteers to help these refugees. And this has to do, I think, with, with the German... Uh, preoccupation at the moment of so-called sound public finances and this seems to have uh, an extremely high priority and actually it's, 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 it's very strange that, that Merkel um, lets it run this way. But of so course can, what, can what she can do is limited. Sebastian, can we maybe go into that a bit in a bit more detail? Because it is, I mean I have to say, I was completely blown away by the idealism of the the volunteers um in la Giesel, um it was genuinely moving but at the same time they were saying you know that they were doing the work of the state and that they didn't understand why the government didn't pay for for, for this you've written this article recently for die zeit the, the um uh weekly german newspaper about the economics of the of the crisis um which got 70,000 hits, I hear. So um, how much is it actually going to cost to receive the uh, huge numbers of refugees that have now turned up in Germany? Is it that, that it is unaffordable? Is that why people are relying on voluntary action? Or is it simply a question of a fight between local and federal government? I mean, we could easily pay for this. At least the magnitude we are looking at at the moment, um, a million this year, a million and a half this year, maybe a million next year. This is something we can deal with, um, at least uh, fiscally. Uh, organizationally, this is a different question. Uh, but fiscally, well, 
you have to count roughly 12,000 euros a year per refugee. This includes, well, how they are housed and fed, but also um, some, well, the, the health cost and so on, registration cost. By the way, this is more than what you would count for personal welfare here in Germany, um, because, well, some, some of these things are outsourced to private companies, which obviously charge more than if you would put the people into just plain housing and pay them their food. Uh, but anyway, 12,000 euros a person. Now you can make the calculation. We have 1 million people coming, so this would be for their first year, year maybe um, uh, an additional 12 billion. This is... Um, so to give people a sense, of what, is, what does 12 billion dollars... Uh, well, well, 12, 12 billion is maybe 0.4% of GDP. So that means, of course, you don't have to pay them just for the first year, but if they remain here, you have the following years, and it would take a while even if you try to integrate them until they're integrated into the labor market. So what I did for the site article is I, I made some, some rough assumptions in the back of the envelope calculation, and I came to something like the initial fiscal cost over the next years might be something maybe $65 billion. So that would be maybe 2.5% of GDP. Uh, that being said, um, if you do this, you have to keep in mind that not all of this money is lost to the government because... As I said, many of these things are outsourced to the private sector, so you have more employment, more income, and um, actually more profits there. And if you tax them, some of that might go back to, 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 the, to, to the public purse. Um, so the net cost might are probably much lower, maybe 40, 50 billion. This is still a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Back. I mean, 2%, 2.5% is much more than Germany spends on defense, for example. Yeah, but I mean, this would be over several years. It would not be a one-off cost, but if you spread this over two, three years, um, it is still significant. But you have to keep in mind that we don't just have a balanced budget at the moment, but we have uh, uh, we have a small surplus. Actually, there are some some economists around to say you could pay all this out of the surplus. I mean, of course, then you wouldn't have a surplus anymore. And if you think this is an important political goal. This would be a problem, but um, I mean, there's no problem about debt sustainability here or anything. Uh, plus, you need to keep in mind some of these refugees, I mean, definitely not all, but some of them, they will enter the labor force and they will start paying taxes and social security contributions. Um, the interesting thing is that, I mean, depending where, where the refugees come from, but those who come from Syria, they tend to have more or higher education then I mean, the young men who come from there, a lot of them have the right to go right to university. They have a school leaving certificate which allows them to go to university, more than if you take an average sample of, of the same age group from, from, the, from the German population. So these people could be educated and integrated in the labor market if you wanted to do this. And then potentially they would start paying taxes and this would, would I mean, the spending here, if you do it right, this could be seen as an investment into the future, which, I mean, at, at the negative interest rates, the German government is has to pay on, on some of the bonds at the moment, um, would, would be a bargain, actually. Um, so it really economically, it, 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 there's no reason to be afraid of, of, of this fiscal cost now. But it is still a huge amount of, so how much do you reckon it is going to be a year in terms of the, the GDP? Uh, well, I mean, annually we, we, we might come to, to maybe a percent or a little more than that. So that, so roughly speaking, is that what, that's, that's basically the defense budget, isn't it? Roughly in Germany. Yeah, it might, might, might be, might be the defense budget. Yes, that's true. But uh, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, cause people have been trying to get Germany to, to spend 2% on defense for a long time and there's been a lot of resistance to it. 
Um, I mean, it's not these are huge amounts of, of money, and so it's not that surprising that there is a political resistance to it. Yeah, yeah yes and no. Uh, if you really if you really look at that, even if we did this without any new taxes, we would be, as I said, very very much in line with all the European rules. No problem with stability and growth pact. No other problems. And also, you could do things which which the, the, the general population benefits from as well. If you if you would now start to to construct low cost housing, even if the refugees go home, this is not a wasted money. It would be an investment into into Germany's future here. Um, plus, I mean, if you if you put that into perspective of East Germany or the the, the German unification, this this is tiny. From 1990 to now, West Germany's transferred around between. Well, depending on the estimate, fifteen hundred and two thousand billion to the east. So, on average, east, each Eastern German received each year a transfer from the west of roughly four four and a half thousand euros for the past twenty five years on average. And this is something. I mean, of course, this was a little painful for Germany, but I mean, this is a magnitude way larger than than, than, than this burden now. But it, it hasn't broken the German economy. So, I think uh, one, one needs to put this into perspective. Well, Germany was seen as the sick man of Europe for quite a lot of the the post reunification period, and some of that must have been due to the, the um, transition costs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely there were transition costs, and this was this was mismanaged. But again, what you, what you learn from 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 the German unification, there were a lot of also economic mistakes made at the beginning, and actually this increased the costs over time. And the same is here. I mean, if you if you put these people into very bad housing, if you don't try anything to integrate them and to get them into the job market, most of them probably will never enter the job market. And then they become a long-term cost. So early intervention here might actually lower the long-term cost of it. And therefore, it is, it is uh, just crucial that, that, that you take the money into your hands and spend it now. So how much, um, so one of the problems anyway is clearly uh, the fact that the balanced budget, the Schwarzenull, as uh, Schäuble, the finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble, the finance minister calls it. Um, the second kind of question, which I, which I suppose is, is this kind of uh, question about party political games between the federal and local government. How much of that is, uh, is, is leading to the crisis being uh, exacerbated? I mean, this is this is difficult to assess. There is some talk saying that at least some people in the Christian Democratic Union uh, are willing to accept chaos with the refugees so that the AFD becomes stronger and this shifts the uh, electoral arithmetic in some important federal lender or, or federal states um, so that, that the Social Democrats cannot continue uh, ruling with, with the Green Party, but the, the Christian Democrats might, might get to power. Frankly, I think, well, I, I'm not sure. Sometimes you have strategists doing the worst things you can imagine. Um, I would think this is a very dangerous game if someone were playing it, because we have seen with the Social Democrats and the left party that once you have established a party at the French, uh, this might take, take votes from you permanently. And I mean, this calculation if it is really done, uh, would assume that somehow the, the votes of the AfD are only taken from, from those who usually don't vote and not from the Christian Democrats. Um, as long as this works out, this might be a, a good, good tactics, but I'm, I'm not sure whether this is an intelligent long-term strategy. Um, that being said, I mean, of course, we have this problem, and also in Berlin, the, 
where where you have described the the situation in Pilageso, you have to know that we have a grand coalition between the Social Democrats and the Christian Democrats. And uh, frankly, my feeling is that the two parties are not very happy in the grand coalition here. None of them really would like to to, to have it. Um, and so uh, there's, there's there's a certain amount of of blame shifting, and uh, this this might actually help also explain why why some things just go wrong. So the other fiscal questions which have been raised by this is at a pan-European level, because there's been talk about um, maybe going easy on some of the countries in terms of the, the fiscal rules if they agree to take uh, refugees as part of the relocation plans. Can you talk us through that as well? I mean, the, the idea is, of course, we have some countries which um, are at the limit of what they are allowed according to the European deficit rules. Um, and if they spend any single euro more, uh, they might get into trouble. Um, they might be subject to sanctions from Brussels and so on. Um, and actually, frankly, some of the countries, if you look at Portugal, for example, uh, they are at the, at the limit of debt or even beyond the limit of debt sustainability. So any fiscal burden you add up onto them might push them back into financial crisis, actually. Um, so now there's the talk saying at least they should be allowed to borrow a little more in order to, to pay for the refugees. Um, and of course, having, allowing them to borrow more and don't force them now to cut the already cut uh, transfers to the to the native population of course this 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 might relieve the whole political situation there i think this is not a sustainable solution because if these countries have fiscal fiscal position which is not really or only borderline sustainable even if they are allowed to borrow more this this will create some problems so here you really would need to do some um, some more burden sharing and burden sharing here means that the rich countries would have to pay these countries, the poorer countries, to host the refugees there. Um, and of course, I, I, I would assume that this is still cheaper and this could actually be a win-win situation. If Germany pays for some refugees um, housed in Portugal or Greece, um, first it would be cheaper than the 12,000 euros you pay here because wages and everything is cheaper there. Um, and second, it would actually help to, to stabilize the economies in, in, in these crisis countries because of course, if you build a refugee camp, if you hire some people who administer this camp, this is all uh, income and employment for the local population. I mean, the difficulty with doing that within a border-free Europe, though, is that presumably there's a high chance that the refugees will go to Germany, to Sweden, to Britain, to countries where there are jobs rather than staying in a crisis-scrap country with massive unemployment. I mean, frankly... Um, we, we have two groups of refugees. We have some refugees who have a good education, who might have a chance to be integrated into um, the German labor market. And then we have, uh, from some countries, especially Afghanistan, we have a lot of um, refugees who are illiterate. And with a minimum wage at €8.50, uh, frankly, there aren't that many jobs around for illiterate people. So these people will not be integrated for a very long time into the German job market, if at all. Um, so for, for these, I mean, this, of course, I understand that, that they would like rather to be in Germany where they get more money than in the other parts. Um, but again, then this, this is a question how you deal with it on a European level. We, 
used to have the Dublin um, agreement. That means uh, the, the refugee doesn't have the right necessarily to come to Germany if he or she has been to another European country before. Um, and of course, we, we could find a solution like that, saying, well, we, we, we distribute them centrally, and if you are distributed to, to Portugal, and if you get food and shelter there and protection, according to international conventions, then you don't have necessarily the right to, to travel to another country. Or if you travel, you, you don't get, you don't get the benefits. But in the Schengen uh, region where there are no border controls, I mean, how can you stop them moving from one country to another? Well, uh, you don't necessarily have to stop them. But I think if uh, a refugee would know that in Portugal he has a place to stay, he gets food and he gets, let's say, some, some money to live on, and he knows because you have a centralized database that if he comes to Germany, he cannot register again. And if he does, he wouldn't get anything. Um, I am not so sure whether how many, how many of those would actually try to go to Germany. Okay. So um, you think that another uh, aspect of this, apart from looking at uh, loosening the fiscal rules, might be to have fiscal transfers to countries to pay for them housing, housing refugees. But the, but the other um, thing which is going on in financial terms is the plan to, to pay neighboring countries to keep refugees. So there's this famous three billion uh, which has been promised to Turkey in the EU Turkey um, uh, in the EU Turkey summit. Um, and presumably much more money is going to need to be found for other countries with, with large numbers of refugees who are who are being kept like Lebanon and Jordan. Um, have you what, tried adding up the sums of all of those things together with the domestic sums that you're talking about? I mean, how much, how big a economic problem is, is the whole crisis? No, I have not added them up yet. But from, I mean, already what you said, 3 billion here, 2 billion there, you see very quickly that this doesn't add up to, to something which, which is close to what we pay for housing, uh, housing the refugees here. So uh, this is a little bit more, but it doesn't, doesn't change the overall picture. I mean, um, especially if you say that uh, some of that lowers costs in the future, um, and with these, I mean, negative interest rates, we are, we, we are, I mean, paying is the wrong term here, which we are receiving, interest rate which we are receiving if we borrow money, um, this isn't really that much of a problem. I would even say maybe we need to do more for the neighboring countries, because the, the argument which I had before, it's much cheaper to house them there. Sometimes they can be much more easily integrated if they stay there. And if you would pay them, the, the governments there, more substantially, this could actually be something like a fiscal stimulus for them. And if they don't have to pay for it, they might be willing to host many more of the refugees. Plus, um, I mean, some one of the reasons why so many refugees are now going towards Germany is that even if, if you say the, 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 the conditions at Lageso are very terrible, some of the refugee camps around Syria um, have much worse conditions. And there you don't have the thousands of volunteers who walk out, come out and distribute uh, donations of sanitary products and food. But there sometimes you, 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 have, you just don't have enough food rations. And so, of course, there, as, as long as the condition there is as it is, there's a very strong push factor to, to, for, for the refugees to, to move on. And uh, this is something you definitely need to, to solve. And it actually is cheaper to solve it there than to solve it in, in, in Berlin or in Hamburg. So where is all this money going to come from? How much 
thinking is there in Germany about what you can get out of the EU budget, how much Germany is going to have to pay itself, how much other countries are going to put into this? Because there hasn't been very much solidarity in terms of hosting refugees as part of a relocation scheme. But might there be more scope to find solidarity in on financial terms? I mean, the British government made an unusual commitment to spend some money before the EU-Turkey summit and promised mm-hmm. 500 million euros um, to, to Turkey, which is not the first instinct of, of British finance ministers to offer extra money to the European Union. But where do you think the money's going to come from? I mean, Britain might be an exception here because Britain is one of the countries which um, has a relatively solid fiscal position at the moment, decent growth, unemployment is, is not, not that high, so um, they, they have a certain leeway here. Um, and I would assume it is, it is rational calculation that the, the more you, you solve the problem um, in Turkey, the less problems you have uh, even at the British border. Because, I mean, of course, you have a close border in this way, but you don't like the, the, the refugee camps at Calais either. Um, so I, I think it's, it's completely rational to do this. But beyond that, yeah, I, I think the Germans, of course, count that if, if it goes... If money goes to Turkey or to 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 Jordan, that the other the other countries will will contribute. But I think um, most Germans are also aware that I mean Italy and Spain and Portugal they are just or Greece uh, they are just not in a position to contribute much at the moment. And this is very interesting because the the cost here has not been an issue. I mean, it's it's not really. I mean, the the the, the Schwarze Null and the balanced budget is is one of the goals. But beyond that. Um, it has seldom been, or very very little discussed, uh, how, how how expensive this this really becomes. But it's, I mean, in a way, it is accepted that that something has to be done, and the money the money is there here in Germany, so um, uh, it will be spent on this. So, what about the EU budget? How how much thinking has there gone into whether there might be some money hidden down the back of a sofa in the EU budget, which could be repurposed for? these sorts of costs? Uh, frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that some people will have thought about this, but this is not at the forefront of the public debate. Um, and even, even if it were, I mean, the EU budget as a whole, uh, I mean, we, we, we're talking here at a magnitude which is, I mean, the cost of the, the refugees here in Germany are probably more than the German contribution to the EU budget. So that shows if you don't want to, to, to cut everything else, what the European Union is doing, there's not that much relative to the costs which, which, which we are facing uh, to be found in that budget. So maybe to, to try and round this up, because there's a lot of worries about the security aspects of the Paris, about integration and Islam and the burden on public services as a result of the refugee crisis. Um, but this fourth uh, dimension of the, the effect on Germany's fiscal position, the Schwarzenull and the idea of Germany living within its means is a whole extra dimension. If you had to rank those different issues in terms of the political debate in Germany and the public's worries, where do you think, uh, what, what's at the top of the list and what's at the bottom of the list? I think the, the whole, I mean, the, 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 the humanitarian situation of the refugees here in Germany, this is very much on top of the list of, of, 
many people. And then as a close second, and it's very difficult to say how close second, um, is the, the feeling uh, that they might compete for, for public funds and public infrastructure. And I mean, these, these are different groups, obviously. I mean, on the one hand, you have the groups you, you describe to help the refugees, and on the other hand, you have the groups who are, who are afraid that, that this will um, excessively burden Germany and that they personally will, will lose because of that. Um, security also is an issue, but at the moment, I think it is not very high on, on the concern of the population. Um, especially because we, we have not half a, a really major terrorist attack of, of Islamist terrorists here, here in Germany. And um, I mean, when, when, when you read about some, some attempt, which then didn't work out and the, the, the security forces went, went into, this is something else. This is very abstract. And sometimes people might even not believe if the, if the politicians say, well, we have actually uh, prevented a terrorist attack in Hanover or something like this because... Um, yeah, there's always the, the, the feeling that the, the politicians might just claim this in order to, to uh, be in, an, in a better light. So that brings to an end a really interesting discussion about a little understood aspect of the refugee crisis from Sebastian Dulli in Berlin, from myself, Mark Leonard in London. It's thank you for now. The researcher of our podcast is Ulrike Franke and our editor is Katharina Botel-Azzinaro. Mm-hmm.